This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. And Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer it or her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away. She keeps shouting after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and she knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 976. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, beginning at verse 21. This morning I want to talk on this subject of putting God to the test. Putting God to the test. Now, as you may already know, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to press God and to put God to the test. The wrong way to do so, I suppose, is famously illustrated for us in Jesus' second temptation in the wilderness, something that we rehearse on the first Sunday of Lent every year. But you're familiar with it, and there was three temptations, and the second in Matthew's Gospel, as it's listed there, goes like this. We read Matthew chapter 4, this same Gospel of Matthew, beginning verse 5. And then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, that is Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to the devil, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. That is, that's the wrong way to put God to the test. By assuming the role of, of control over God. And then to press God's hand by means of force and manipulation. Let's see if you keep your promises to me. But then there's also a right way to put God to the test. Which is illustrated for us, I suppose, in one example of the prophecy of Malachi. Where we read famously Malachi chapter 3 and beginning at verse 8. One of these key characteristics of the prophecy of Malachi is the... Stating of a question and the answering of the question. Malachi 3 and beginning at verse 8. Will a man rob God? And God says, and yet you're robbing me. (laughs) But you say, 
How have we robbed you, Lord? And God says, in your tithes and your contributions. You are cursed with the curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Then in verse 10, bring in the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. And here in today's reading from Matthew 15, it seems to me another example of putting God to the test in a good way through faith in Jesus Christ. Indeed, uh, Matthew says in verse 21 that Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Now, in the context of last year, geographical reference is the 14th chapter to the town of Gennesaret, which is on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus, of course, did lots of ministry there. And so Matthew is saying he left there with his uh, disciples from that area. Uh, and he heads to Tyre in Sidon, which uh, is 30 miles and 50 miles uh, away, northwest respectively, from the Galilee in what is now today, present-day Lebanon. And so Jesus and his disciples, they leave the region of Galilee. Indeed, they left the country, if you like, uh, to, to, to go on retreat. In fact, when we read the, the synoptic a parallel uh, story in Mark's gospel, we read in Mark chapter 7, and from there Jesus arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered into, house, into a house and didn't want anyone to know it. And so they're trying to get away from a very heavy ministry schedule. And if you read the scriptures, it's a sort of a morning till night, morning till night, morning till night kind of a situation. And then Matthew says in verse 21, and they are in the region of Tyre and Sidon, Behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And so this woman, his cover is blown, and this woman appears. We don't know exactly all of the logistics of it, other than that they were in proximity with one another in this general area. Matthew identifies her as a Canaanite, which is really interesting, so that she's not only a Gentile, but she is identified as being a hereditary descendant of Israel's ancient enemy, the pagan Canaanites. And so that's the, some of the backdrop of the story. Interestingly enough, she recognizes and addresses Jesus as Messiah, as any Jew would, even though she's not herself a Jew. She calls him Son of David, which is probably one of the most prominent of all the Messianic titles. And in desperation, she cries out to Jesus, literally in the Greek, it's in the, it's in the imperfect tense, which means she kept doing it over and over and over again. In desperation, crying out, have mercy on me and for her daughter in particular, who she describes as not just oppressed by a demon, but severely oppressed. But Matthew says in verse 23 that uh, Jesus didn't answer her a word. Well, simply put, Jesus ignored her. And so she just kept on crying out apparently with no intention of stopping 
until she got what she needed for her suffering daughter. When I read that, I thought about Jacob's experience, you know, going to sleep one night on a journey and wrestling with the angel, described as a man, and then later as you read on the description and the things that this man does and his disappearing and so forth indicates that he was more than a man. He was an angel. But we read in Genesis 32, it says, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he just touched Jacob's, the, 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 his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the man said to Jacob, let me go for the day has broken. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. <laughs> and that's what this woman is doing. She keeps crying out. Have mercy on me, son of David. My daughter is sorely vexed, sorely oppressed by a demon. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. And no answer. Matthew tells us in verse 23 that the disciples begged Jesus to send her away. For she's crying after us. That is to say, give her what she wants so we can get back to relaxing. Lord, this is some retreat you have us on. But Matthew says, verse 24, and Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so Jesus, he describes himself as a sent one in the, in the Greek, an apostle. And so Jesus is on a mission. And that he is, as he describes himself, sent indicates that, that the, mission, the mission didn't originate with him. In fact, you see this all over the New Testament. One that popped into my head was John chapter 20, verse 21. After his resurrection, he appears. The disciples are all locked up in a room, scared that the authorities are going to do to them what they did to Jesus, and not knowing that he had risen. And he appears to them just as if he just, all the doors, everything was locked, and then he just, he's there. And one of the things he said, as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. And Jesus says that his primary mission at that time, prior to his passion and his rising and his ascension, and prior to him saying, and now go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In his own ministry of three years prior to his passion and his resurrection, his primary mission was not to the Gentiles, but as he describes them, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so when the disciples said to Jesus, give her what she wants and send her away, Jesus says, I'm not sent to her. But still the woman keeps on pressing. <laughs> Put me to the test and see. Ah, she keeps pressing, pressing. And verse 25, she came and she knelt before Jesus saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. But Matthew says, Jesus answered her, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What an extraordinary expression. 
The word dog here refers not to the kinds of dogs, it's a different word. The kinds of dogs that run stray and feral in the city and so forth. Rather, this is a, a, a reference to the kind of dog that people had in their homes as household pets. The kind of dog that hangs around the table when the family's eating, hoping to be able to snatch a little morsel that might have fallen from the table. But notwithstanding that, the saying itself, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog, seems to me to be just that, a, a saying, a proverb, if you like. The point of which is that, it, that there's a proper order to things, such as feeding the children before you feed the dogs. Or in this case, which Jesus has already said, in which I think this, this proverb, if you like, or this adage, this saying, is meant to reinforce, and that is that, it's, that the, the proper order of things is to take the gospel and the blessing to the Jews first, and then the Gentiles. In fact, you see that in the even continuing to be repeated in the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul's to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. And so he would take the gospel to the synagogue first, and then, after they had heard, then he would go beyond that. But the point is not to violate the order, which order originates with God. Indeed, the point is not that Jesus has contempt for this woman. He's not insulting her. He's, he, he, and, 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 some people take it that way, and then they, they say, well, he, he, he's calling her a dog. Or worse, and some are saying nowadays that this is evidence that Jesus was a racist. Which doesn't seem too terribly imag imaginative to me. Indeed, to, to the extent that the statement is proverbial, it, it's, it's a statement of principle. And the particulars of the statement are only meant to, 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 to drive home the principle. It's rather like when I was a kid, you, my grandmother used to say, well, you know, it's the little foxes that spoil the grapes. I, I had no idea what she was talking about. But it was a common saying, and the saying comes from words that we find in the second chapter of the Song of Solomon. The little foxes spoil the grapes, which in fact has very little to do, if anything, with foxes and grapes. It's about minding the small things that contribute to whether or not a larger aim will be achieved. We often talk about minding the details. That's what it means. The little foxes spoil the grapes. Anyway, this woman understands seemingly what Jesus is talking about. He, under he understands that she understands that he's called to Israel and not to her, notwithstanding the fact that there's various different examples in Jesus' ministry where he made exception for that. The centurion's servant, and as we'll see here, this woman, and, and so on. In fact, this woman may very well be aware of the fact that there were people, Gentiles, coming not infrequently from Sidon and Tyre down into the Galilee with people that they loved who were sick so that Jesus could touch them or they could touch him or whatever. Now Jesus is in her neighborhood and she's taking advantage of it. Maybe she wasn't ever able to get away to go to Galilee. So now Galilee has come to her and she won't stop until she gets what she needs. 
And so she understands what he's saying about this order and this priority, but she presses. She puts him to the test. Notwithstanding the reality of his present mission priority. And so she responds to Jesus' objection, which, by the way, is brilliant. <laughs> brilliant people aren't just professors in universities. Here's this nameless woman. The woman said, yes, Lord, and yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. <laughs> I know you got your priority. And you know what? I think you can keep your priority. But how about a scrap for me in the meantime? Until you get to this worldwide thing that you're going to be doing. How about something for me and my daughter? And Jesus answered her. Oh, woman of great faith. <laughs> I mean, he is impressed, and the, and the, the, the expression, oh, woman, is a, an expression of endearment. He's touched by what she said. And he says, be it done to you as you desire. And Matthew says, and her daughter was healed instantly. I've often been intrigued by the question, if God gave you everything you're asking him for, what would you have? If God gave you everything that you're asking him for, what would you have? And of course, the force of the question lies in the fact that, that we don't usually ask him for much. I, I remember hearing that question at, the, at, at one particular time time, I think it maybe had been the first time I heard the question, and I answered the question in my own mind. Not much! <laughs> because I'm not asking him for much. I'll do it. I'm educated. I'll do it. I got money. I'll handle it. Man, I'll tell you what, there's some things that money and education just can't handle. And so we, we, we don't ask, but Jesus invites us to more than that. And in this regard, the Canaanite woman is an inspiring example. In fact, in this same Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says famously, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek. See the intensity of that. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And it will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be open. Or which of you. If he has a son. Ask him. Uh, ask for bread. Will you give him a stone? <laughs> well of course not. <laughs> or if he asks for a fish. Will you give him a snake? And if you then. Who are evil. And fallen. And broken. And imperfect. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father and uh, give, give, give good gifts to those who ask Him? And so I want to ask you that this morning, as I'm asking myself, as the, they say about the preacher, when he points one finger at you, he's got three fingers pointing back at himself. <laughs> will you ask? Will you seek? Will you knock? Will you share every aspect 
of your life with God through Christ. And let him know what you need. And wait for his perfect answer. Putting God to the test. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. As we sing sometimes on Sunday mornings, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. Don't let us forget that. Don't let us just remember that on Sunday morning. Help us to live our lives in that lane, Lord. That lane where you're there. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you nor forsake you in that lane. In that lane where you say, ask and seek and knock. Share your life with me. You may ask me for some things that I know won't, isn't the right time. It isn't right now, or it might not be right at all. And so I will answer you, and maybe my answer is no, or maybe my answer is wait, or maybe my answer is yes. But none of that ever happens if we aren't in that lane, if we're not walking with you and living with you. And so help us to do it, Lord. You invite us. You want to have fellowship with us. Lord, give us a heart to want to have fellowship with you, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.